Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of Daybreak, the best place for you to get your weekly news and opinions. I'm your host, Pippa Schrader, and today we'll learn more about a new segment we'll be adding to the show and interview Abby Nichols, a voice lesson teacher and actress, and learn more about her awesome occupation. Also, after the announcement break, a news tidbit on a confusing dance that dates back centuries. Now, let's get on with the show. For the first part of this week's episode, we're going to start a new segment called The Spotlight on a Listener. Bryn Campbell will be interviewing Mia Campbell, a listener of Daybreak and a 7th grader at Hamilton, on what she is doing to keep busy during this time. She says that she's been reading a lot of books. Some of her favorites have been The Outsiders and Johnny Treman. Another thing that Mia has been doing is practicing her violin and viola a lot, and even learning guitar. She wants to tell our listeners to keep hanging in there, and it will be over before you know it. Thanks, Mia. Wow, it's really cool to hear how Mia is practicing and learning so much music. Maybe listeners out there who are bored can try some new things like what Mia is doing. Speaking of music, we're about to interview Abby Nichols, who is an actress and amazing vocal coach. Hi, Abby. Hi, Pippa. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. So, Abby, what is it like trying to raise a family and work as a voice lesson teacher and actress at the same time? Well, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of um, sort of living in the moment when you can. Uh, One thing that I'm really lucky to have is a wonderful partner, my husband, Jace, is amazing and he cares for our kids while I'm downstairs in our basement teaching voice lessons and he also cares for our kids when I'm at rehearsal for shows and then I try to do the same for him when he's working so we really have a great balance uh, trading off being with our family and doing the work that we do we're also really lucky to have family in town both Jace's family and my family are in the Madison area and I don't think that we could do as much theater as we do if we didn't have them Mm -hmm. to help raise our boys and um, just be there for support. Yeah. So um, is your husband, Jace, um, in the theater sort of business, I guess, as as you are, or is he in a different profession? He is also in the theater. We met doing a show. We met doing Thoroughly Modern Millie Mm -hmm. with Four Seasons Theater back in 2008 and yeah yeah, he's a musical theater performer we both have degrees in musical theater and he also teaches musical theater performance at UW-Madison oh wow so you guys are both in theater of course so um I have a question so is there anyone else in this family who inspired you to choose this job so maybe someone before you met your husband that um sort of inspired you or you guys maybe both decided at similar times that you were going to do it and that's how you met like yeah, great question. Yeah. My dad was a music professor at UW. Oh, okay. That was his job, full-time job growing up. Mm-hmm. And he's also mm-hmm. a composer and mm-hmm. uh, a performing musician as well. He's a tuba player. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's an actual job. No. <laughs> and he is a, you know, as a music professor, he was a private music teacher. That was one of the things he mm-hmm. did as a music professor. And I think that's, definitely was passed on to me. My sister's also a music teacher. She's a high school and middle school choir director. Oh, cool. 
So I sort of come from a family of musicians, mm. but then I would also say that my theater teacher in high school and my music teachers in high school inspired me mm. to do musical theater in high school and then pursue it in college. Mm. Yeah. And uh, my voice teachers in college inspired me to become a voice teacher. So a lot of people inspired me to do what I do today. Wow, yeah, that this like sort of like, I wouldn't say a domino effect, more like a, I don't know, something that would rise, like maybe dominoes in backwards motions. Sort of, like, <laughs> yes, yeah, or you like to a go. pyramid. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I love these analogies, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so what makes you different than all the other voice lesson teachers in the world? <laughs> that is a really interesting question, and I spoke with a good friend of mine about this uh, and we were talking about how it's really important when you're looking for a voice teacher or mm -hmm. a piano teacher or any one you're going to be doing private mm -hmm. music or art lessons with or dance lessons to find someone that suits your needs as needs as a performer and also sort of jives with your personality. I think it's important for students to find the teacher that they can really relate to and mm -hmm. can be um, someone that they can be open with yeah. as well as learn what they wanna learn about singing or whatever music classes they're taking. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what makes me different is I really specialize in musical theater voice. Mm -hmm. My degree yeah. is in musical theater and so that's the repertoire that I know the best. So if you're looking for someone to teach you opera arias, I'm probably not the best person. Yeah. I can get close to the technique needed for that, but not. I just don't know the repertoire. I don't mm. know the languages. But if you're wanting to work on something from Mean Girls, which is on Broadway right now, or Dear Evan Hansen, or even Broadway uh, music from you know earlier in the 20th century, I know a lot about that. So that is one thing that makes me unique in terms of the technique and the repertoire. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I guess I just really like working with young people. So I work with a lot of middle school and high school age students. Yeah. So that's another thing that mm -hmm. maybe sets me apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is your favorite musical of all time sort of playing off your repertoire of musicals? Uh, one of my very favorite musicals of all time, I won't say I have one favorite, but one of my favorites is The Light in the Piazza. Hmm. Uh, it is a gorgeous uh, musical that was on Broadway, gosh, in the early 2000s. And it has a very classical feel. The music is by Adam Gettle, and his music is more sort of classical, classically inspired, I'll say. But the story's beautiful, and the music is just gorgeous even just the orchestrations are beautiful underneath the gorgeous singing so that's that's one of my favorites wow yeah were you ever in the light in the piazza or like um maybe like what was your favorite part of being in it if you were yeah uh i was in the light in the piazza wow, cool. in four seasons theater here in madison hmm. uh in 2015 and Gosh, my favorite part of being in it. Well, I got to play someone significantly younger than I am. <laughs> I guess not 
significantly, but younger, you know, it made me feel like I can still play a younger character. And I got to sing this beautiful operatic music, which I don't always get to do. I'm often mm -hmm. called on to belt and sing more um, contemporary sounding music. And this yeah. got, allowed me to use my classical technique, which yeah. was really neat. Yeah, that is really cool. So um, also about musicals, do you like what in the last like maybe just say 10 years, um, what is has been your favorite musical that you have done and why was it your favorite? I think my favorite musical that I have done is the musical I just did, which is Matilda. And I did that with Children's Theater of Madison. And Matilda is such a great story. Yes. And I got to play Miss Honey, who's such a wonderful, loving character, who I feel like is one of the characters that's maybe the closest to who I am, though hmm, I'm a little yeah. bit stronger than Miss Honey is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Say I also got to work with uh, some incredible young people, some of whom were my students. So that was really cool mm. doing Matilda. Yeah. And I also got to work with a friend of mine as the director. So it was just win, 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 win all around. Yeah. Really cool. So also I just say, I saw your production of On the, or not your production, but the production you were in of On the Town. Um, so uh, you did some pretty amazing kicks there and some splits <laughs> and stuff. So do you take dance lessons also <laughs> yeah. before? Well, I don't take dance lessons currently. I okay. probably should get back into it. But yes, I took a lot of dance classes growing up. I started taking ballet when I was six. And I took ballet all the way through really seriously until I was in high school. I also took uh, jazz and musical theater dance and tap a little bit mm -hmm. when I was young. And then I took more of that when I was in college. Because if you go to school for musical theater, you take a lot of dance classes of all sorts. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just wondered, what's one mistake you regret making early in your career? And what's a choice you made early in your career that benefited you as well? Great questions. One mistake that I think I made too much earlier in, in my career is comparing myself with others. Mm, mm. This is such a competitive business. And I think if you get bogged down with, oh, they're better at that than I am, or I can't quite do that the same way that they can, it really hurts you because you start second guessing yourself and you have to be really confident in who you are. Yes. And I think I, I misunderstood being confident as being amazing at everything. And that's not really what it is. It's more about acknowledging what you have to give as a performer that's unique. And no one else can do that quite the way that you do. Mm. So I wish that I had known that when I was younger and yeah. I know that for now. Um, one thing that I did when I was young that served me well is uh, I took a gap year between high school and college and I, think that that is definitely not for everyone, but it was a choice that I made based on where I wanted to go to school and just wanting to explore New York City. So I moved to New York City between high school and college, and I got a taste for what that city is like, and I loved it, but it also helped me realize, hey, this is a really hard city to break into without going to college, and it sort of motivated me even more to go to college and to sort of build my community through a college education that was in New York City. I went to Pace University for college, which is in New York City. So um, taking that gap year was a great decision for me, though I don't think it would be the right decision for everyone. 
Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about your role in the touring musical production of Annie. Yes. When I was uh, 22, I toured for nine months with uh, a national tour of Annie, and I played Grace Farrell, who's Daddy Warbuck's secretary. Wow, yeah. if you've seen the movie, she's the one who dances and sings, you got Annie, or sorry, we got Annie. <laughs> I, I didn't sing that song in the show. It's not in the musical. But um, she's the one who goes to Miss Hannigan's uh, orphanage and picks out Annie and brings her back to Daddy Warbucks's mansion mm-hmm. and um, sings, Cecile will pick out all your clothes with all of the people that work in the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was what was that experience like? Like, was it? Did you get tired of performing it? I've always wondered how the all the um, people who do the touring musicals that come through Madison stay energized and awake and bring that same <laughs> sort of gusto to each of the performances. So how did you yeah. do that? Well, it is a totally different experience doing a show that many times because I'm guessing most of the people that listen to this podcast are younger. And usually when you're doing shows, when you're in middle school and high school, you do them for maybe two weekends. Maybe if you're doing a children's theater show, you're doing it for three or four weeks. Um, So when it ends, you're, you're, you know, you feel like you still have more to give and you're sad that it's ending. And it's not that I wasn't sad when Andy ended. And mm-hmm. ended. I definitely was, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it felt more like a job that I went to every day. Mm. It was. Um, yeah. You have to be really good about repeating the show exactly the same way every night, while still, like you said, keeping that energy in it and staying focused and staying present. Because you also have to remember that even though you've done it. 200 times or however many times the people in the audience are seeing it for the first time and the cool thing about doing a show like annie is sometimes the people in the audience are seeing a show for the first time because a lot of young kids come to see a show like annie and so that helps sort of keep me invigorated knowing that hey you're introducing young kids to theater and they want to see your best so that was helpful I also, the the other cool thing about touring is you get to know the people that you're touring with really, really well. Mm. Some of my lifelong friends are from that tour because you're eating together and, you know, staying in a hotel together and riding on a bus together and (laughs) seeing each other at your best and maybe not your best. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great way to really get to know people well and, um, and make some lifelong friends. Uh, I'd say it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I got to tour all over the country, did that show 262 times. Whoa. They made, I know, they they made <laughs> costumes for me. Like it was just, it was my first real professional job and it was a big one. So that, that was amazing. Hmm. Did you do anything else like on Broadway afterwards or before that? Nope, I haven't been on Broadway before, okay. uh, but I did do another tour, which was a tour of Judy B. Jones, which was a children's musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I worked a little bit more regionally, but then I met Jace and we decided that we wanted to raise a family and we personally didn't want to raise our family in New York. We wanted to be closer to home. So we moved back to Madison. And since mm-hmm. then I've just been working in the Madison area, which I love. So it was a good decision. Yeah. So I'm um, talking a bit more about your family. So you're two boys, you have two, right? Yes. Yeah. So your two boys, um, are they interested in musical theater right now? Or are they, I mean, they're pretty young. So, I mean, 
I just like, are they interested in things that, have you been like introducing them to some things that you do in your job? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that they're interested in musical theater career quite yet, but like you said, they're really young. They uh, are more interested in dinosaurs and animals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, they they have seen me perform in a few shows. Mm -hmm. At least my older son has. My younger son is only two, so he hasn't been to a show (laughs) yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But soon, soon we'll be taking him to children's theater shows and hopefully they'll both see both me and Jace perform at some point. But they're definitely interested in music. They're both great little singers for their age. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start taking piano or guitar lessons or I don't know, my oldest might want to take drums or something like that. (laughs) So we'll just see. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I have another question um, about, so let's see, I, I have so many questions, but <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep this interview at least under 20 minutes. So <laughs> um, how did you choose this job? Yeah, so as I said, I went to school for musical theater and I was a performer and I love performing, but I didn't always love the unstable nature of being a full-time musical theater performer because you're having to take a lot of auditions look for a acting job and then when your acting job gets done you have to look for sort of a day job or a survival job and that back and forth of working as an artist working as a nanny or a coffee shop employee or a waiter that got tiring for me excuse me and I knew that I wouldn't want to do that long term and while had I continued to perform I might have you know, built up enough of a career that I could perform full time. I just knew that that instability was hard for me. Mm. So when we moved back to Madison, I got a job as a nanny, which had been my survival job in New York. And I loved nannying. I loved working with kids. So that sort of um, wound its way into a job working for Children's Theater of Madison. Because I was like, hey, I love musical theater. I love working with kids that would be a great place for me. So I started teaching there. I also started teaching early childhood music classes at Monroe Street Arts Center. I teach music together there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that started just getting me freelance work in preschools. And I started, I, I wound up leaving my nannying job and just teaching classes, music classes and musical theater classes. And then a couple of my students at Children's Theater of Madison said, hey, are you a voice teacher? Can I take voice lessons with you? And it's sort of, I I didn't choose it. It chose me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had always thought I could teach voice lessons if I was a little better at piano. <laughs> but I made it work. And I've gotten better at piano through teaching. And it just sort of started to happen. I got more and more students. And I really loved it. And I seem to be helping kids learn how to sing better and yeah yeah (laughs) now it's my full-time job so sometimes the universe tells you what you're meant to be doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what is the most common thing with your students that you have to correct them on I love this question Pippa thank you (laughs) I would say musical theater Mm -hmm. there's a lot of young people that want to learn how to belt, right? To sing like Adina Menzel, to sing like uh, Barrett Wilbur Weed, who sings in Heather's the Musical. There's there's a lot of belting that happens on Broadway right Mm -hmm. now. 
And there are two things that I have to teach students a lot about belting. One is that you don't need as much air as you think you do when you're belting. It's a lot more like speaking on pitch. And so a lot of students have heard from choir teachers or um, other people that you really need good breath support when you're singing. So you take these giant breaths and you use all this air. And yes, you do need good breath support. You need to support your sound with air, but you don't need tons of air to belt, especially. So that's one thing. The other thing is uh, a lot of students now, I know I'm getting kind of technical, so I hope I'm not boring your audience here, but a lot of students um, think that belting is all in chest voice. Chest voice is that voice you use down here in your chest, your uh, speaking voice. But a lot of belting actually goes higher than that and you use your head voice too, but it just sounds like belting. So Mm -hmm. those are the two things that I often have to teach students. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm just wondering what song is your favorite? You know, you sent me these questions and I tried to think about that one. And <laughs> there's just too many good ones. <laughs> uh, I really, just off the top of my head, I love a song called Will He Like Me from She Loves Me, the musical. I think oh. that's just from- yeah, Do you know? I, I, yeah, I know that song, yes. Yeah, it's one of the most beautiful sweeping ballads. Mm. Uh, I love a song called Stars in the Moon from Songs for a New World. That's a favorite of a lot of people. Uh, I don't know, there's just too many to name. I could probably give you a whole list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, those, are, those are all really great songs, but... Um, and one last question, how are you dealing with quarantining right now with COVID-19? Uh, okay. It was really hard at first. I'm a very extroverted person. Yeah. So <laughs> Same. yeah, yeah. I, I mm. are you too, Pippa? Yes. I, it's hard not to talk to anyone. Well, I mean, you can talk to people, but it's never the same. I think a lot of listeners can probably feel the same about that, but yeah, yeah. So that was hard at first, but now that my family and I have gotten into a routine, it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of thinking of it as like an extended spring break where we yeah. get to spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we can go outside is really helpful. If yes. we couldn't go outside, that would be super hard for me. Mm-hmm. But we take bike rides and we run around our backyard and we got a fire pit in our backyard so we can make nice. fires nice. and roast marshmallows. Yeah. Um, and I also am really lucky that I'm continuing to teach online. So I have my mm-hmm. sort of work routine and so, yeah, we're, we're hanging in there. Mm, yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for, um, letting me interview you. I still have so many questions. Um, but you're welcome. Thank yeah. you for asking. This has been so much fun. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun to talk to you again. And so thank you so much for letting me interview you and, I guess have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Thanks, Abby, for that awesome interview. Now it's time for a break, but when we get back, we'll be talking about the egg dance, a dance that has survived the centuries and maybe even is still being used today. Keep on listening. Support for this show comes from DNM Graphic Novel Library. DNM Graphic Novel Library is a library subscription service for kids, teens, and maybe even adults too who love graphic novels. This is going to be a summer subscription service that costs $7 a month and will be graphic novels delivered to your door every single week. Sounds pretty cool. 
Make sure to wait for details on this show, so stay tuned. Thanks, and now back to the show. Hi, and welcome back to Daybreak. I'm your host, Pippa Schrader. Before all the festivities of Easter, like chocolate eggs or a special bunny, there was the egg dance. What is the egg dance? Well, it's a traditional dance that originally appeared in the 15th century to celebrate fertility and the coming of spring. There are two versions of this dance, but they both have something in common. In both, you cannot break any eggs, or you're basically disqualified. One involving a bowl that the dancer must get the egg out of and into a white chalk circle, and then get the egg back into the bowl with only some fancy footwork staying in the circle and nothing else. And the other is like a jig-like dance around lots of eggs scattered on the floor, trying not to break any, sometimes even while blindfolded. While these dances seem innately wacky to us in the present, they weren't always that way in the past. In the days before electronic entertainment and ease of traveling, recreation centered on common activities and objects. Dr. Ron Houston, who is the trustee of the Society of Folk Dance Historians, explained in an interview with online source Ripley's Believe It or Not. So, it's no surprise that people would turn to the humble household egg for fun and games. In fact, people would sometimes even do the egg dance not just for fun, but for marriage. An early example of this was Philbert II, Duke of Salvary, and he invited the Habsburg ruler Marguerite of Austria to dance with him among 100 eggs. If the couple had succeeded, they would be married, but the chances were as slim as the three couples before them had already failed. After carefully dancing their way through the green that was covered with eggs, they managed not to break any, all, none of the 100. And the the two were soon wed after. Some still celebrate occasions like Easter with this dance, but only time will tell if the egg will crack and the special dance will be forgotten in history. All we know is that this dance of the ages has continued to crack people up to this day and maybe even create a few excellent marriages. Hi, this is Pippa from Daybreak. Thanks so much for listening this week, and I want to give a few shout-outs before we end the show. So, my first shout-out is to Bryn Campbell, who is an awesome scriptwriter, and she really helped me a lot this week with also the interview with Mia, and also I wanted just to say that she's a really great friend. And then um, also I want to give a shout-out to Mia Campbell, who was our spotlight this week. Thanks so much for being our first spotlight. That's a big deal. And to Abby Nichols, who was our awesome interview this week and who taught me a lot more about her job. And I got to know stuff that I never knew about her. So that was really cool. And um, that's all the shout-outs I want to give, except um, just maybe a little note. Thanks so much to all the first responders out there right now um, for, well, helping us through this time and helping people who are sick with coronavirus and goodness knows what else. Um, thank you. We should we haven't thanked th- thanked you enough lately. Um, so thank you so much for that. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. Make sure to also share this with all your friends and a lot of the people you know so you can get this episode to them and they it will bring a little spark of brightness and happiness to their day so thanks so much for listening and until next time pippa signing off mm-hmm.